This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Tax day will be complicated for people who are crypto enthusiasts. So what's the holdup in letting more people buy into the broad crypto market through mutual funds or perhaps ETFs, exchange-traded funds? Cato's Jennifer Schulp discusses the role of regulators in standing in the way of normalizing and making regular the buying and selling of cryptocurrency assets. For anyone who has purchased and then sold, perhaps in rapid succession, asking for a friend here, um, you would be amazed at exactly how complicated it is to do one's taxes. And um, even the even Bitcoin or cryptocurrency exchanges will say, this is extremely complicated and we don't really know how to do this. And so it seems clear that people who want to make a purchase on the upside of the crypto craze or fad, depending on how you look at it, uh, might want to purchase something where they're not themselves holding an asset, buying and selling. They're instead buying something that is on an exchange to simplify that entire process. At least that's a big part of the pitch uh, to people like me who don't want to do a complicated tax bill at the end of the year. So uh, what do you view as like the strongest case for or possibly against uh, making crypto uh, into an ETF? I think there's a lot of different cases that you can make. One of them is the simplification case that you said. But I don't want to downplay the fact that sometimes it's complicated to do your taxes if you're just selling and buying stocks or exchange-traded funds as well. Um, It might be easier than doing it straight up with crypto, but it could be complicated on that front as well. But being able to hold crypto, and really when we're talking about holding crypto in an ETF right now, we're only talking about Bitcoin. Um, in an ETF has a lot of advantages for your average everyday investor. Um, someone that is not particularly interested in learning about how wallets work, um, someone who's not particularly interested in doing a lot of background research to understand how each crypto exchange works and the safety and security of their own crypto. Um, an ETF can be a really attractive product for someone that just wants to simplify their exposure to crypto. Uh, An ETF can also be a really attractive product because it makes it a lot easier to hold something like crypto in your retirement accounts. Um, You can do it right now, but you generally have to get a special IRA that holds crypto. Um, Whereas if you had access to a Bitcoin ETF, you could hold it in a regular 401k if it was offered as an option. And Outside of the individual investor space, there are a lot of institutional funds, hedge funds, bigger companies, Vanguard, Fidelity, others who may have restrictions on their ability to hold crypto directly um, for any number of reasons. One, their investors don't want them to hold crypto directly. Um, The government might have issues with them holding it directly. But having exposure to crypto through an ETF doesn't necessarily raise the same problems for them. So an ETF just simplifies things for a lot of different market participants. What's been the holdup until now? It seems like this would have been something that we would have wanted to have seen at least as an offering five years ago. Well, there's been a lot of demand for it. 
And the Bitcoin ETF has been bandered about since 2013 when the, when the Winklevoss brothers started talking about an idea. Um, the SEC first denied it in 2017, and there have been a host of other players and exchanges who have been proposing Bitcoin ETFs since then. Um, anything from kind of new players to your standard fidelities of the world who are interested in offering a Bitcoin ETF. The SEC has basically had the same objection to a Bitcoin ETF since 2017, which boils down to the SEC saying they don't trust the underlying Bitcoin market. Their concern is that the underlying market can be subject to fraud and manipulation, and therefore an ETF based on that market is not safe for investors. Uh, there's a lot of problems with that viewpoint. Um, there's there's the the technical problem that there's it's entirely questionable as to whether the SEC should be looking to the underlying market to determine the safety of the underlying market for an asset. Um, that's a question as to how the SEC approves products and exchange rules. But but putting aside the technical legal aspects of it. The SEC just approved a Bitcoin futures ETF, which is based on essentially the same market that they're looking at for the Bitcoin ETF. And in the futures market, the SEC said, OK, we can have a Bitcoin futures ETF, but no, 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 we still can't have a Bitcoin ETF. Uh, that's crazy and not fair. It, it's interesting because uh, of the way that uh, derivatives themselves have been so maligned for so long, and futures fit that bill. Exactly. And I can't think of a single circumstance, and I have not seen a single circumstance, where the SEC has essentially said it is safer to invest in this derivative than it is safer to invest in the underlying product itself. Um, but that's what we have here. The SEC is, has approved a Bitcoin futures ETF, but says that a Bitcoin spot ETF is, is too dangerous for the public. For a long time, the only people who were involved in the crypto industry actively were either programmers, people who actually worked on this stuff, or early adopters who were tinkerers and thought it was cool. Um, and, you know, going forward, that that has to break down at some point in order for something to break into mass adoption. And uh, if we, the other concern is volatility that a lot of people complain about with respect to cryptocurrencies. It shoots up, it shoots down. It's therefore not a, a good store of value. It doesn't have the, the proper qualities of money that we would uh, hope it does. And I think your argument is that making it easier for average Joe investor to get involved actually helps with some of those problems. It does. And I think. It's not just average Joe investor. It's some of the larger players who have the ability to kind of demand market discipline. So we've seen a lot of maturity in the Bitcoin market over the past five plus years anyway. Um, new players have entered, um, larger exchanges have entered. And with that, we're seeing more I think discipline is the right word. There's there's people that are interested in making sure that it's running in an orderly fashion. That would only increase 
if you have an ETF with the large institutional players that operate the ETF actively involved in those markets. Um, SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce has made this point a lot, that that by denying a Bitcoin ETF, you're denying further institutionalization of that market and actually hurting the investors that are currently in the market in the process. People want Bitcoin. They're going to buy Bitcoin. But what we're doing is by denying the Bitcoin ETF is preventing the market from maturing further to protect all players in that market. Um, So the SEC is not just sitting this one out and waiting. They're causing some active harm in um, for people that are currently investing there and for people that would like to invest there in the future. We have seen countries like China uh, and others almost exit uh, the crypto space entirely. Uh, via government mandate. Uh, Where else has crypto been welcomed? uh, And to what extent are investors in other parts of the world able to uh, engage in this easy way of investing? Yeah, well, you certainly have China and to a lesser extent India on one hand who have kind of walked out of the crypto space. Um, But we've seen really globally a much more welcoming stance towards crypto and a much more welcoming stance to the types of products that the United States continues to deny. Um, Canada approved Bitcoin ETFs about a year ago now, I think. And they're not the only ones that have had Bitcoin spot ETFs. They've all been operating internationally without any sort of a ruckus at all. Um, And it's just another step where the U.S. is, you can't even say that the stance they're taking is conservative. The stance that the SEC is taking is inconsistent here. And it's leaving the SEC further and further behind and having a say in the regulatory landscape um, and driving U.S. investors to foreign markets to look for these products, um, which, you know, you can have different views on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I think from the SEC's standpoint, it shouldn't be viewed as a good thing when you're sending American investors that the SEC claims to be protecting overseas in order to find the the options and the products that they're interested in finding, um, where the SEC has no say in what those products look like. Jennifer Shelp is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>